Let's pray uh, before we dive into God's word and see what it's got to say to us today in lockdown in May, the end of May 2020. Father God, we, um, we come before you. Thank you that you're our Father God. You've made that certain through the work of the Lord Jesus. Father, we don't want to take this time lightly when we come uh, before you and, and we get to look at your word. And Father, we trust that your word uh, is from you. It's your very spoken word written down by human authors. And Father, we know that it speaks today because you promise in your word that you'll you'll take it by your spirit and you'll impart it into our hearts and you'll do what you have to do to us all in our different situations and circumstances so please would you give us hearts that accept and are ready not just to listen to your word but to do what your word says to act on the spirit's work in our hearts please lord would you would you do whatever you have to do to get us to this point now where we accept your word and do it we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, here we go. A Faith That Lives. There's the series title. If you've been a part of this uh, for a long time, great to hear Ros say what James has been doing. She's enjoyed getting into James and trying to grapple with some of the truths of God's word uh, and looking at James in particular. Uh, if you've journeyed with us, you'll know that we're looking at a faith that lives. I wonder if you feel alive today. Of course, it's a stupid question because you're living. If you're hearing this, watching this, you're alive. Of course you are. But I wonder if you really feel alive. I wonder if today's been a good day uh, where you've just thought, yes, this is what it means to really live. This is living. I remember uh, being a young lad uh, and a couple of boys who looked after me, who discipled me, who helped me understand Jesus. I was quite far off at the time, but the boys, and one lad in particular, he sent me a note uh, one day, and he said, uh, Lanks, your life, it's a priceless treasure, and it's wedged between two eternities. There I am, wedged between two eternities that have always been and will always, always will be. Your life is a priceless treasure wedged between two eternities, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to really live? I remember that note. Uh, in fact, I've still got it. Are you really living? As I look in the mirror, as I see myself on this funny thing called Zoom, as I'm looking at myself now, I ask the question, am I really living? And James, in this part of his book, he dives into looking at faith, real faith, faith that lives uh, in high risk areas and he and he goes for it and you know James he doesn't hold his punches does he he, 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 he he's in there and he's straightforward and he's talking it's like he's eyeballing you all the time it's like he he, he, he oh, look he loves he loves these people so it's not a harsh word from James it's of deep care and concern that they don't just hear God's word but they're doers of it hopefully you've grasped James and you've understood James 
verse 18 of chapter 1, I think, is really important. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's the gateway to James. We've talked about that a long, a long time over this series. Here we are. We've been born. If you're a Christian today, you've been born through the word of truth and you've been given new life. The old has gone. The new has come. So James is talking about the Christian life, which faith enables it to live. He isn't talking about how you get right with God. That's not James's plan. That's grace alone through faith alone. That's chapter one, verse 18. Now James is giving us and his first readers headlines of what it looks like to live this faith out. What it looks like, not just to be listeners of God's word, but to be doers of God's word. And so here we go. Faith in high risk areas. You'll have seen some of these signs, I'm certain. Uh, have a look as we uh, look at these warning signs. Uh, look, the first one, they're pretty dramatic, these. So you'll get the picture of where James is going. Warning avalanche. Um, sure you've seen that if you've been uh, on the slopes uh, in the Alps or anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Don't go here because there's a risk of an avalanche. Danger high voltage. Remember seeing those in electricity substations? Don't go anywhere near here, high voltage, chance of electrocution, and therefore death. Warning, construction site, keep out, no trespassing. Don't come in here, it's not worth it. It's a key warning because your life is at risk. Look, you see with James, he's not that dramatic. I chose to pull out the, the, the key warning signs that I could find. James isn't saying here, whoa, look at these big things, but it's more subtle. But they have the same effect that they could lead the believer or someone who has trusted Jesus away if they do no longer trust in him. And there's three key areas that James wants to help us address in our life um, today and help the first readers uh, of his book address today so let's have a little look at some of these here's the high risk area one and it's verses 13 to 17 if you're a controller this is a high risk area if you want to control all things and the answer is well god is in control if you want to control all things in life understand that god's in charge he's in control um look verse 13 now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city spend a year there carry on business and make money why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow james is bringing god's word and he's going right to the heart of the christian now listen Sit up, sit up in your chair and pay attention. Here's James, he's warm, he's winsome, he's pastoral, but he's direct. Now listen, because here's a warning sign. There's danger ahead if you want to be in control of all things in life and especially planning ahead in the future. Today, we were watching that all-time favourite Pixar movie, Cars. 
Good movie. Good movie. Um, I noticed Kerry was, uh, well, she was a little bit upset, teary at the end of it. So I passed her uh, a box of tissues. No, to be fair, I was. No, that's not the story anyway. But the great story of cars. Here he is, Lightning McQueen. If you've not seen it, I won't spoil it for you. But Lightning McQueen, he gets let out of his lorry that's transporting him to the next race. And he finds himself in a back alley town called Radiator Springs. He gets in a bit of trouble and he gets stuck there. And the police, the sheriff, will not let him go. And all he's talking about is getting to California, to the next place, the next race. He will do anything to get there. He must get there. That's what he was born for. That's what he was designed for, to get to his next race. And you see what that helps me see. Where am I like Lightning McQueen? Where do I, where do I desire to go and will do all within my power to get there? I wonder what that looks like for you. Where do you desire to go? Look, in this context, James is saying, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. It's in the context of business, of money, of, of, of welfare, of, of, of wanting to succeed in life. And James is saying, be careful because you're not in control. He goes on in verse 14, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Tomorrow is out of your hands. What is your life? James, the hard-hitting speaker, sit down. Well, sit up. Now sit down and listen to this. What is your life? In case you forget, what is your life? You're a mist, like a cloud that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Look, and your mind's going there. I'm sure it's going there. Those magnificent summer days, you've done it. Maybe you do, you do with your children now if you have children. You're lying down on the picnic mat and you're looking up at the sky and there's lovely fluffy white clouds. And perhaps you don't even need children to do this. And you see some big bulging clouds and you go, oh, come on, let's try and make shapes out of them. You've done it. It's just great fun to do. There it is, look, it's a dragon. Can you not see it? Look, there's its head, it's actually breathing smoke. Look, there's the fight, can you see the wings? It's a dragon. No, 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 it's a pig. It's definitely a pig. Look, you can see it snap. You've done it. And then there's a mop. No, no, look, look. And then you can't even see the dragon that you first saw. And your friend can't even see the pig that he saw. And your child can't even see the butterfly that they saw from the same cloud. Because it's moving and the shape changes. And then 10 minutes later, you look up and the cloud's nowhere to be seen again. See what James is saying. Oh my, this is life. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See if my life was a marathon, if your life was a marathon. 26 miles a marathon is, 26.1 miles. I wonder where you'd put yourself uh, on the marathon time frame. 42 years of age, what's that? If it's three score years and 10, I'm about, I'm about miles 15, 16. 
that's if I get through to 70 years old. But, 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 but I do not know. I just don't. For all God knows, I could be on the finishing straight. I could be close to the tape, finishing my race, finishing my marathon. I do not know. And be careful here. James isn't saying don't make plans. You get that. Please get that. James is saying be careful how you make plans. Of course it's good to make plans and invest and think about places to go and think about how we're going to invest our money. Of course, James isn't saying don't make plans. Look in verse 15. James continues, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. James is simply saying, submit. Do you know what this looks like as a Christian now? He's done everything to win you back. He sent his son to win you back. Now, you've submitted once. Keep submitting to him. Keep submitting to the work of God in your life. Look, Lord, if you will. Or are you the centre of your plans for the future? For work, for your investments, for holidays. We were going on holiday tomorrow. We were going with some good friends, going on a plane. Little one's a little bit disappointed. James is saying, don't make plans to go on holidays. No, he's saying, don't worry about making plans. Make plans to go on holidays. But it's how you plan. And it's how you respond to plans if they all go bang. So I think I've had a kind of a tough week reminding myself that I'm not in charge here. I'm not in control. Submit to him. Your plan's best. We're not getting on that plane tomorrow. It's, it, it's, it's hard. But it's good. It's good that I do that. James goes on, don't boast or arrogantly presume that this is yours by right. Don't do it. Verse 16 says, it's great if you've got your Bible open and following. Do please. Verse 16 says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. Sins of, of commission, sins that we do wrong. We go in there, we're doing that, we will get that result. We're all at risk of presuming we have a right to things. I know I am. I, I kind of presume I've got a right to good food. Presume I've got a right to toilet rolls. And when there's a shortage of them, I, I can't, can't believe it. Start getting angry. Why? I presume I've got a right to a good working health service. I presume that I've got a right to, uh, to leave my home whenever I want. And so this time in lockdown, it's been a real eye-opener for me and for perhaps us all. I think I've got a, a right to a, a job. It's hard at times, this. But a good time, I think, and I hope and I pray a good time in lockdown to reevaluate that we used to presume what was ours by right. That's not a magic formula, but genuinely holding plans loosely and trusting God's plan. Holding our plans so loosely and throwing our weight on God's plan. Whatever will be, Lord, whatever your will, Lord, 
trust in you for best. Our plans are completely contingent on what God decides. We're dependent on him totally. And in verse 17, he wraps this section up. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Look, the good we ought to do is trust in a sovereign God who will do what is best for us. So if you're a controller, and we all are, so hopefully this is, this is a good message from James to us. Remember, you are not in control. God is. If the Lord wills. How do I stop? wanting to control wanting that control and some people say we'll just make jesus the center of life and that's not a good answer i don't think rather admit and acknowledge that he is the center of all things he holds all things together the lord jesus so just acknowledge that and therefore his plans for you uh, are best look there's the first high risk area if you're a controller the second one is a hoarder um look at these words there's the second one verse uh, chapter five verses one to six if you're a hoarder if you hold on to things let me read um a little bit from this from uh, i'll read verses one to six of chapter five follow please if you've got a bible now listen you rich people Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who, who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. James changes his language here. It's in the context of the wealthy, the, power, the powerful. They're, they're probably now at this stage, they're probably not Christians who James is aiming his conversation at. They maybe were trusting, but now they've, they, they've, they've gone their own way. And they're oppressing the poor. This is what they've actually done. James doesn't address them as brothers or sisters. And there's no call to repent. He's just saying, this is what's happened. Look at the state uh, of what you've done. Yet, obviously, James wants Christians to, to hear the judgment and be wary. Not to be envious, but recognize the danger. See the warning sign. They're addressed as rich because they have money. Not because they just have money. Again, it's like our plans. So James addresses them as rich, not just because they have lots of money, but because they love it. And, and then for three reasons, I think it's important to um, pull out. Let's just go quickly on these. Um, look, first thing, hoarding and wasteful. Here are the people that have money, but they're hoarders and wasteful with it. They pursue wealth for all its own sake, for its own sake, and that is ungodly. James uses those words in verse 2, your wealth is rotted, moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. James is saying that your unused wealth testifies against you. 
big questions for us here. Do we need the things that we acquire? Do we use the things we have? Can we give away what we have when we don't need it? I really think James is holding up the mirror to us today and saying, be wary that we don't fall into the trap of these who perhaps were following the Lord Jesus, but now are such a long way from it. James doesn't even call them as brothers and sisters. We don't really know the details about them. Second, he goes in verse five, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Look, there's extravagance, luxurious items, self-indulgent. Big questions for us. This isn't talking about bank balances. It's talking about what we do with the money that we have. It's not talking about how much money you earn being right or wrong. It's what you do with the money that you have. Do we have more than we need? Well, yes. Of course the answer is yes. Of course the answer is yes for me and Kerry. Or do we spend more than we need to? Yes, of course it is. Are we eager for people to recognise that the label or the brand, the cost of our stuff? Well, perhaps so. Let James's hard-hitting words of warning prick our conscience. If that's the case for you, then do something about it. Don't just be a listener of God's word, but do something about the money that you have. Do something about it in this precious time of lockdown. Do and ask for God's wisdom. James goes on, verse 4, look. The unjust use of money. Look, he says, verse 4, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Look, it might be some of us directly are employing individuals, setting their salary. Perhaps not many of us uh, here do that. But for those of us that do, are we exploiting the people uh, who we employ? And for all of us, are we exploiting the people who provide services we use? How are you doing with money? How are you and money getting on? I'm thankful and grateful for my parents, who I think taught me a little bit about money. They just said that the first rule always, when I remember 17, getting my first job in the corner shop, pretty much selling cigarettes and pulling ice creams. That was it, first job. Before I even paid my rent to my mum, five a week. My mum and dad sat me down and said, listen, um, you know it's not your money. You know it's the Lord's money. It is God's money. He's enabled you. He's given you ability to go and earn money. Now give back to him. Not that we have to pay tithe, and that's an Old Testament uh, way of looking at it, but a very helpful, a very helpful way of thinking. A tenth of what I earn goes straight back to God without me thinking about it. Not thinking about my situations and circumstances. Can I let that happen? No, no, no. Before you even think about that, my mum and dad said, give back to the Lord. Times in life I've not done that. But more often than not, I've been brought round to the thinking again, saying, why? Why don't I do that? And I think James is very helpful here in saying there's a warning, real warning, 
of what money can do. So take heed. One thing you know as elders, one thing that we always say, do give to town church. That's the way that we use money for the Lord. We just give back to him uh, and we, we, we then give a part of our salary straight back to town church and say, there we are. Now, God, use it as you wish and you entrust it uh, to the leaders and others and hold us to account of how we're going to use um, God's money through you. Please consider that uh, if you've not um, done that or given to town church. Or, or if, if you have and you've cut back, consider again your use of money. And we'll always want to urge you of keeping a very loose hold uh, on money. I look at myself again, and it's good from James, it's helpful. Here's a little quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. He who loses money, loses much. He who loses a friend, loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. And James is here saying there's a real warning between money and faith. Don't let it take you away. Don't let money drive you away from your love of Jesus. Let's go quickly to our last high risk area. Here it is, verses 7 to 11. It's for the DNFer. DNF. Uh, what's a DNFer? Um, did not finish sad when you see uh, that in a race there she is the girl that did not finish if you've taken part in any race and had to pull up through injury it's a horrible horrible thought dnf did not finish and here in verse 7 um, to 11 look what james is saying he's saying the lord's coming Will you be patient and will you persevere? Two words that we see often in these verses. Will you be patient and will you persevere? What's the risk? The risk is that you might not finish. The risk is that we don't wait patiently. We don't persevere. We take things into our own hands. We forget that God is in control. So we arrogantly plan. We don't acknowledge that all we have is God's and so we, we hoard our wealth and we accrue more. And James is saying, be patient. The Lord is coming. Look, like a farmer. See there, verse 7? See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains, the most important rains, the first rain and the last rain. Look like the prophets. You see there in verse, oh, I am sorry. I've not noted that down, but I will find it there. Verse 10, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Look how they were patient. Look how they persevered in really tough times. And then also look at Job. Pick out Job's story. You've heard of Job's perseverance, verse 11, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and full of mercy. In the face of persecution, James is writing to these Christians, in the face of suffering, he's saying, be patient. 
Don't take things into your own hands and go, 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 go. Don't. Harder being a Christian. Harder standing for Jesus. Yes, it is. But be patient and, and persevere. And as you wait, you see some words there? Don't grumble. Don't grumble against each other. Don't do it. Don't talk about each other. Don't do it. Be patient and persevere. Persevere to the very, very end. I don't know what you need to hear from God tonight. All of it, of course, because it's God's word. But I don't know where the spirit then pricks a conscience with you. Perhaps you don't even trust the Lord Jesus. Tonight is a good night to trust the Lord Jesus, to give you new birth and then to really live through faith, to really live. If you've been a Christian 10, 20, 30 years, here are the warning signs. Here are the warning signs from James. Don't be a controller. You've got the power not to be through the spirit in you. God is in control. Don't be a hoarder of wealth. God knows and there's a warning in that. Don't be a DNFer. God is coming. Finish with patience and perseverance. Let me say a quick prayer and then we'll sing. We'll sing a great song. My hope is built on nothing less. And we're going to sing that um, just after I pray. Father, please, please, please do what you have to do in our own hearts and lives. that we just wouldn't be listeners of your word, but would be doers. Please, Lord, move, provoke, probe us, convict us, comfort us too, encourage us that we've got the Lord Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen.